All right. So let's talk about where your, your Intel comes from. How many thread feeds do you guys have? You know, we advertise over 60 and our, on our sources of intelligence, uh, there's a variety of them. You know, we're looking at things like, uh, forum spam lists and malware command and control lists and botnet lists. We're partnered with other companies like gray noise, Andrew Morris and gray noise. If you haven't heard mm -hmm. of them, they're a great company. Um, so we're, we're bouncing, you know, all the IPs that are being seen on our customer networks against the gray noise API. Uh, we're doing things like, uh, you know, there are lists out there of, um, command and control servers that are being posted mm -hmm. on Twitter and Pastebin and GitHub. We're consuming those and ingesting them. So, you know, it's, it's a whole wide variety. We're trying to, you know, cast as wide of a net. And then, then what's unique about us is, you know, if you, if you consume a threat intelligence list, you know, one of the big problems people run into is false positives, right? Mm -hmm. So like, you're going to tell me something's bad and I'm going to block it and I'm going to block something that somebody in my business cares about and I'm going to get yelled at. And that's a bad thing. What we're doing behind the scenes is, is we've built some algorithms based on our experience and knowledge and, and some automation that say, you know, can we classify something as good, neutral, or bad? Can we assign a level of confidence in it and then use that badness and confidence rating to then give you a sliding scale of what you want to block? So, you know, that confidence can be affected by, you know, how many lists has it been reported by? We're going to be more confident. How recently has it been reported? So if it hasn't been reported for six months, it's pretty low confidence. If it was reported like yesterday, that. it's pretty high confidence. I really so like that because yeah. you're, you're right. You know, something you, you, you never truly know uh, un unless it's pretty clear. It, it's, it's hard for you to truly know with, without a shadow of a doubt, this is good or bad. It's probably harder to know it's 100% good, but having Correct. that confidence level, you can say, I mean, I'm 60% sure it's good. Right. And that's probably yep. what you're looking at. You're not looking at, is it bad? You, I would like to think you assume everything's bad and then you start to almost build a case for why isn't it bad. And that's yeah. what helps increase the, the confidence level, right? Yeah. And early on, there were lots of discussions about, you know, what's a force for good? What's a force for bad? Right. What are mm -hmm. the things that push it up and down in those ratings? And how do you build that into an algorithm? Because again, there's no human in the loop here. You know, we don't have an analyst that's doing this job. And that, I think that's the only way we solve these problems at scale going forward is to say the attackers are using automated means and can switch infrastructure really fast. The only way we can start to defeat them is by doing the same thing to counter them. So you've got this really fun claim on your website with the possible exception of a fully and expertly staffed sock, no other threat detection option provides dark cubes level of threat insight. Yep. Have any like independent labs done testing to back up your claims? No, I mean, I, one of the things I have a big issue with in the market is the pay to play stuff, right? So, you know, we could pay money and have lots of good reports come out on us. What we rely on is just delivering for our customers. I think, you know, what I've, what I've, what I believe in very strongly from an ethos and, and mission standpoint is kind of telling the truth and being straightforward. And, and, you know, I've built a team that believes the same thing. So if you get on a, a demo or a sales call with our team, nobody's going to say like, 
we're the only solution. We're the only thing you're ever going to need. Um, but what we, what you will find out and what you'll see experientially is, you know, with a five to 10 minute configuration, you can get kind of better visibility and blocking and protection on a network than you can anywhere else in the market for the, for the price point we're delivering. And that's, it's really cool to see that, that taking off amongst our customers. So where is our data stored? You know, with, with you having these contracts in the U S I assume you need to be able to provide and prove data sovereignty. Yeah. I mean, one with the, with this mid market, we don't run into a lot of issues around that. A lot of requirements, what we're, what we're doing as a model is, you know, you're sending a fire hose of data from your firewall. And your firewall's not sending us content. Like you're not sending us files. You're not sending us packets. You're sending us the, the metadata associated with the network traffic coming in and out of your network. We're taking that at our, at our edge and we're processing that and stripping away most of the detail there and storing the metadata of that stream. So things like source IP, destination IP, port protocol, data volume, you know, those are the things we're keeping and storing. And, you know, as we, and we're happy, we, we've had a number of customers that kind of want to dig in and we're happy to sign an NDA and show exactly how we're storing and how this all works. Um, but what you find out is like the stuff we're storing is not sensitive. It's not PII. It's not, you know, it's not really sensitive data. It's summary data that anybody in the data path between your network and anywhere else could see. And so, you know, by, by minimizing that data and storing it in a secure way, we're providing a pretty good security construct around it. Well, the reason I ask, and, and I agree, I understand because we, what we're doing is we're configuring the firewall to basically send you log information. You're, Correct. you're almost an, an offsite, um, not a sock, but like an offsite collection mm -hmm. software where that's, that's all you're collecting is logs from the firewalls. However, yeah, and we're not storing those logs either, right? We're throwing them away once we process them. That's, that's good information to keep in mind. So, and, and forgive me, I should know this stuff better because I, here's, here's my tinfoil hat moment, right? So, you know, Snowden released all that data and then he, he finally had that great conversation with John Oliver on last week tonight, where John shows him a pic, a picture of his junk and says, here's a picture of my junk. Now explain to me, uh, you know, how each of these programs will, will use this picture. What, what, who can see what, et cetera. And I, I definitely recall there were one or two programs that the government was collecting metadata from, mm -hmm. you know, phone calls or, or internet yep. traffic and, and other things. So. If they're collecting that metadata, that tells me that that information is at least useful to someone for some reason. So that is my point for asking about the data sovereignty. Is, is the data like leaving the U.S., going into Canada because you're backing it up uh, on, on S3 or, or Azure, and it's, it's going to other countries just because reasons for, for data to disaster recovery stuff. Right. Um, yeah. and then as soon as it crosses that, 
that border, or even if it's a, a digital border, then, then something triggers and somebody else has information, even if it's just the metadata. Yeah. Yeah. So all of our data today is stored in the U S um, it's not overseas and the way we've built our infrastructure, you know, we're starting to pick up some customers in Europe and Australia and Africa and other places, you know, the, the front end infrastructure and the back end infrastructure are separate and distinct. And so, you know, we've thought a lot about how do you build a system that, you know, if you're going to deploy the front end in the UK or, you know, Europe for GDPR compliance purposes, um, you know, if, if, if a nation or puts in infrastructure or puts in laws that say data has to stay locally, how do we support that, but also still support this shared, shared security model. So we've thought a lot about it, but today it's all us based, um, on the, on the metadata, you're absolutely right. And I think that's where we're delivering, you know, some of the most value to our customers today. You know, we had, we had one customer about a month ago that called us and they're one of our larger customers. And they had detected a cobalt strike, uh, in, you know, a machine had been, you know, had cobalt strike running on it. And so there's command and control going on inside their network and we didn't pick it up. They're like, look, you guys didn't score this as bad. It scored a six, which is kind of neutral, but potentially bad. And so when we started to dig into it, what we found is like no one else, none of the sources that we were looking at, nobody knew this was a bad IP so that it was like a brand new you know, server stood up by an attacker for this attack. Um, and we were about to have a really good discussion with them about kind of how our, you know, why we didn't see it. But what was really cool is we we're able to then put that in our back end and say, Hey, this is bad. And so instantly all of our other customers were protected from that IP. And so the ability to say, I can take this and, and, and protect everybody at mass with one person learning is really a great vision into where we're headed. You know, how do you, how do you provide protection for all without a lot of work? I love and then that. the final thing I'll add is like on the DOD work we're doing, that metadata is a key part of our, our program with them. And all the participants are signing agreements saying they understand what's happening. So this isn't, this is all happening under bright light and sunshine. What the DOD is doing is they have access to that, that, that network traffic for the customers in their program. So we have a standalone environment for this program in AWS GovCloud. Um, and so the DOD analysts are able to like, they're able to look at real-time network traffic for very small and medium-sized defense contractors and search for indicators of compromise without knowing which networks they're looking at because it's all anonymized. So they can say, hey, it looks like this network is compromised. Dark Cube, can you reach out to them and let them know something's going on? We don't know who it is. And that doesn't happen on like my networks, only on the defense contractor networks? Correct. So it's for the people in that program that are using, that are a part of that program, you know, they're signing up to basically say, you know, I'm a defense contractor of 15 people and I can send my anonymized network traffic to the DOD. They can look for threats and, and help protect me without me having to reveal who I am. So that anonymization component is really key there. Well, um, assumes the best of people, Steve wishes that you would do that with all of your customers. And, and allow the DOD to just like, you know, inspect my network traffic and let me know if I have a breach. Uh, tinfoil hat, Steve says this guy no. worked at the white house and he is helping build a new program. And now they're seeing even more. 
Yeah. And that's why, you know, I think transparency is key here. Like truth in advertising really matters. Um, and that, and that, that's the only way you, you get rid of those fears and nervousness. So for us, the proof, you know, we, when we bring on new MSPs, it's, you know, try it free for 30 days. If, if it does what we said it does, then great. Let's have a relationship. If it doesn't walk away. And the cool thing is, even though the DOD isn't looking at my traffic, like, like thanks the best of, of everyone Steve wants them to, all of the insights you're getting from that is still being filtered out to the rest of us. Yeah. And we just brought on, um, kind of the first kind of head of security operations for our team, um, that's, that's really going to start to do some more insight and digging into the data that we are seeing on the commercial side as well, to start to find trends and patterns and, and, you know, where I want to be in the next couple of years is, you know, because you're seeing this traffic and we're storing it anonymized in a single data set, the ability to find beacons or scanning that other people don't know about is, is, is clear and present. And so the ability to start to be more proactive on, on protecting our customers. So you don't need a, you don't need a sock that's looking through a soda straw at one set of data. When you look across a thousand companies, you know, you can see trends and patterns that you can't see otherwise. But a key part of that is, you know, minimizing the data you're collecting and anonymizing it, uh, from the analyst's point of view. So they're not saying, I, I don't care about Steve's network. I care about the aggregate of networks and what trends and patterns we're seeing. 